Howdy, folks. Come on in and take a seat. Howdy! <laughs> howdy, <laughs> y'all! That's what I'm doing. I'm doing a howdy, y'all, boys. Come on in and take a seat for Destroy All Clickbait. Now, well, Dong Nabbit, wouldn't you know it? Huffington Post just published that there's a snake in my boot. Oh, God. <laughs> Here's the 23 sexiest underboob snakes that have been in my boot. By <laughs> Huffington Post. Anyway, we're now serving a smorgasbord of desperate nonsense and the very hottest of takes. I'm Adam, your waiter. With me are Ing, the sommelier, and Avi, the head chef. Eh? Uh, <laughs> that's hey. that's your role today. Oh, I'm nobody booze. told you you were cooking. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, work on the learning the bouquet of of the the, the hot takes that we're going to deal with hmm. today. Um, and it was actually, yeah, it was a fairly it was a fairly rich uh, week for for clickbait, as really I guess it always is. But, I mean, we do uh, it in like two weeks, but yes. yes. Yeah. No, I mean literally just this week. Uh, oh, there was good, a lot. Yeah. I feel like um, we did. Um, let's. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw just a just a very quick quick little one, and it is food related, so we can segue into that. Uh, mm. The one I put up in the uh, in the. Uh, in the DMs, in Twitter DMs. Uh, uh, the article. Let me pull that up. The, the cross-sushi. <laughs> no! Cross-sushi? No! <laughs> cross-sushi. No! So this is, yeah, I, this no, is No, I think this is the first one where yes. my only reply is to just, no! <laughs> no, Pope. <laughs> yep. This can- it is a pretty horrifying concept. Um... Literally, it's done in the form of a video, this particular clickbait. Um, and it's just... Fuck. Which is a sin in of itself. <laughs> yeah. That, that's not helping. Why, though? Well, it's fusion cuisine gone horribly awry. Uh, it's sushi, in case you hadn't guessed, it's sushi inside a croissant. Um, which are both delicious things, but... Why though? <laughs> well, oh God! Yeah, it's no. It's... <laughs> you're making Jiro cry. This is Jiro nightmares of sushi. <laughs> He's going to give it up and become an accountant. But uh, yeah, it's it, Jiro fair... would kill his son if his son did this. I'm just putting it that way. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, so I don't know. It's but, a good uh... documentary. I've like, heard it's I've, amazing, yes. But like I've had croissant sandwiches before, and what right. is sushi than just a very strange sandwich? But um, <laughs> you know what? Oh, wait, um, wait. Are we I seriously know. arguing that sushi is a sandwich now? Is this now the debate that we're going to have? You know what? You know what's fucking probably the worst. What uh-huh. is that? As I'm going by this, I feel myself maybe softening on my stance, which is what's most insidious about it. Yes, I know, I know. I felt the same way because it's salmon, uh, which is actually a reasonable thing to put in a croissant. Yeah, and, yeah. And and then it's like, yeah, and they put ginger and uh, what else? I so are they other. actually like because the way they make you make a croissant is that you laminate the the dough. 
so that it has right. layers of butter. So during that lamination process, or after that lamination process, when they're rolling the dough to create the croissant, is that when they're rolling in the sushi? Because that's what it looks I like. I think that they're rolling it in before and cooking it. Like yeah. baking yeah. it in because that's how it looks because it definitely looks like that you're getting the a flaking intermingling with the sushi. And Which... like literally half of me saying this wants to punch me for like okay. analyzing and talking about this. Well, I mean, uh. you have to wrap your head around how exactly does this work and so why did somebody decide, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to take seaweed, rice, and salmon and roll it up into a croissant. Well, I don't think they even do the seaweed. No, they don't use the... No, no, that's seaweed in there. They don't oh, use the rice. There's no rice. There's no rice. Right. Oh, you're right, there is. Oh, you're right, there is no wasabi, rice. wasabi, ginger, and sesame seeds. Yeah. But, but it looks right. like then... there's a thing of nori in there. Yeah, they said nori was in there. Okay, yeah, so you're, nori. you're right. Yeah. Now, the question is, if they bake it, is that even sushi anymore yes. because well, now it's cooked. Well, sushi does sushi does not refer to whether or not the fish is raw. Sushi refers to the rolling of the rice. Which uh, is why this is technically not sushi because it's not rolled rice. Yeah, I was about to say that, but in terms of the idea like God help me, I can't believe this, but in terms of the idea of a croissant witch inspired by sushi like <laughs> This is not yeah. horrible. No. Like yeah. I can I can see the connection. Now, but you know, but you know what? It's kind of a really small amount of salmon for so much croissant. I mean, yeah, but I can see you can probably change that. It's better than my initial reaction that somebody was taking a croissant and just taking a California roll and just like <laughs> just slamming pop, pop, them pop, together pop, pop. like a kid <laughs> playing with Barbie dolls, making them kiss. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, or, I. It has to be said, if they'd used almost any other form of sushi, it would have been horrifying. Except Unagi, used... that's fucking wonderful. Uh, okay. Well, I personally uh, always get... Though? I tend I... to get the tempura shrimp, no, I'm but saying that's just su- me, but... It's, I'm saying sushi is fine, I'm just saying in this particular combination, mm-hmm. they, they, they did just about the only form of sushi that would work. I guess you could do it with tuna, too, that would be okay. Oh, well, yeah, it would be kind of hard to do with, say, uh, squid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be a pretty... Or octopus. Or even... Well, crab might be okay. I don't know. Well, I think croissant and, a, well, and no, salmon but is kind of Well, no, because if you a... did it in crab, you would just have a weird crab cake. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. I feel like we're getting pretty far away from <laughs> sushi. As you say, there's no rice. I, I'm kind uh, of self-hypnotized there because to find things, I kept, like, rewinding and fast-forwarding and I got to the point where the people are eating it and just going back and forth of these people just putting <laughs> the stuff up to their face and then taking it back and looking at it just um, got, like, oddly mesmerizing to me. <laughs> well... Yeah. Again, this is not a bad idea, but it's technically not sushi because it doesn't have rice. Because I'm pretty yeah. sure this sushi is... refers to the rolling of the rice, not not the fact that it has fish in it. It's This is actually sort of reminding me of the old joke about how, you know, somebody wrote a script in, in Hollywood and somebody told them that, hey, this is good and original. Unfortunately, the parts that are good aren't original, and the parts that are original aren't good. 
Oh, God. Uh, in this case, it's <laughs> this is a, a great uh, sushi croissant roll, but the parts that are, you know, it's both good and uh, sushi, but the parts that are good aren't sushi, and the parts that are sushi aren't good, basically. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they've, they've managed to make it work by moving away from what they're claiming to be doing in the first place. Yeah. Although now I'm starting to wonder if they switched out the type of flour they used and used rice flour and said, would that actually be an adequate substitute? But would that even be a croissant then if it's a rice? If it's a rice, if it's, can you make a croissant out of rice flour? I don't know. Cause again, the way you make the, the, the way you make the, the dough to make a croissant is through lamination. It's, uh, I don't remember what, I think it's rough puff pastry that you make in order to make a croissant. So I don't know if you can substitute rice flour for the normal type of flour that you would normally use. So I don't know if somebody has attempted that. I am not a baker. I am not a chef. I don't know if that would work. I only watch the Great British Bake Off. I don't actually (laughs) bake. I actually don't live in a house with a functioning oven, unfortunately. Wait, what? Yeah, our (laughs) oven stopped working. Oh. And <laughs> so I so, don't so, have a functioning oven, so I can't oh. bake in my own house. Sad face. Fair enough. Yeah. For, for a second there, I thought like you're like you're a Dickensian orphan and you live in a burned out <laughs> house with no with no furniture or something. Oh no 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 no! We definitely have way too much furniture in this house. We just don't have a functioning oven. Yes. We're and honestly, about... at, at at this point, we basically have to redo the whole kitchen because ovens have gotten so big that it won't fit in the existing place that our <laughs> oven used to be. <laughs> that... Oh my god. Yeah! <laughs> These the are the joys here. of living in a house that was built in the 70s, guys. Oh, dude, I live in a house that's built in the 30s. I'm also anyway. taking great oh. it, guys. Like, I, I made a gif of the croissant yeah. eating. <laughs> They can get that fast. <laughs> oh gosh! How did you manage that? Anyway, yes, I know. I agree. It's, it's weirdly hypnotic. They've <laughs> got this, this model eating a krasushi, and then reverse eating a krasushi. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that uh, motion comic book with Wolverine eating the pizza slice over and over again. Although, you know what? If people are going to just, you know, take salmon and nori and roll it up into puff pastry and call it a sushi, we can put pineapple on pizza, damn it! <laughs> yeah. I agree. <laughs> I, I never disagreed with that. I'm, I'm down with pineapple on pizza. There's more um, than enough people who hate Hawaiian pizza, and it's just kind of like, if, you're, I, if people are going to do this kind of shit, we can let the Canadians invent Hawaiian pizza. It's fine. <laughs> Wait, That's Canadians us. invented it? That, that, Apparently. This doesn't I seem can, right. Yeah. <laughs> I can just believe it. This is the wrong hemisphere. <laughs> <laughs> are you saying that it's impossible for Canadians to have pineapples imported? I, I wouldn't say that makes it Hawaiian. Yeah. What, what well, I'm saying is that it is impossible for Canadians to be Polynesian, yes. Well, I mean, if you consider the fact there that... Is, there is that, but... But Hawaiians did not invent Hawaiian pizza. I know, I know. Yeah, that's pretty like. <laughs> I mean, for that matter, and... God, that makes we're talking about sushi, sushi, and the I mean the type of sushi, uh, like that we are familiar with, is 
from what I understand, almost as much of a Californian creation as it is a Japanese creation as well. So that's similar in those. Am I completely wrong about this? Or uh... what now? Well, um... just just that sushi was um, like the the versions of sushi that we eat uh, are pretty. Um, like the, the Americans contributed a lot to the that to be it being the way we know it versus you know Japanese sushi, which would be different. It, it depends. Yeah. Like obviously the California roll. Right. I mean, take a guess. Yeah. Yeah. Although I don't think the Philadelphia roll was invented in Philadelphia. I think it's <laughs> called the Philadelphia roll because it has cream it's... cheese in it. And right. it's awful. Um. Mm. Yeah, that doesn't no, sound very good. Yeah. It's okay. Know. Oh, so I, I, I just have to put well, down no, that the if best you've ever if you've ever of... had um, uh, salmon and cream cheese, that's basically what it is. Yeah, I know. Mm. it it is good. Enough. But the best sushi, <laughs> the... hands down, is unagi, and its cousin, the dragon roll. Uh, unagi is that the eel? Yes. No. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Hey, I was right. Cool. <laughs> I honestly yes. usually when I get sushi, I get safe sushi because I. And live in New Jersey where I don't know what around me is really authentic. Um, yes. So I get safe sushi, which is usually shrimp tempura. Yeah. So that's just me. I like the me. shrimp, I like the tuna. By the way, uh, yes, Wikipedia does confirm that uh, uh, Hawaiian pizza was invented by a Greek Canadian uh, named in- sure. Panopoulos. In <laughs> Ontario. In Ontario. So not within, you know, I, I live probably a well, fairly short drive you know from what? the creation it, of wine pizza. He clearly rose above a bunch of, like, shortcomings of geography and everything else, but, you know... Apparently it, he passed away last year. Well, shit. I was... <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say, he clearly, like, did the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup of seeing two things. <laughs> and, and was like... Hmm. <laughs> well, there's. It was then... like, well, pizza has like a high salt content. Mm-hmm. Pineapple both can be roasted and ta- and retain its sweetness, and mm-hmm. sweet tastes good with salty. Yep. And let's just throw some ham on there for good measure. Well, because yep. people already eat ham on yes. that, and ham already goes good with pineapple. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, the. The theory there is that ham, you know, a roasted pig is part of the Hawaiian luau, so that's a, that's a, you know, that's a Hawaiian thing to have, in theory. Um, so I see the logic of that, but, yeah. Yeah, and just so everyone knows, he did die at the age of 83, so he lived a good long life. Yes. He has an accomplishment to his name that yes. we can... We can only dream of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> ironically, ironically, there is also Canadian pizza. Um, there is a type of pizza known as Canadian. Yeah. Um, Which is yeah. roast goose and cheese curds. <laughs> Maple syrup and... Oh! Uh, yeah. how, is it gonna be, how is it worse than my joke one? How? <laughs> I was just gonna assume it's just basically no. poutine on, on, on a pizza. No, no, it's not. Uh, it is, mine is also a joke. Oh, no, thank I, God! No, we don't actually put maple syrup on pizza. Are no, you I sure? Think yeah, I'm sure. Uh, and in fact, it, actually, this seems to be somewhat disputed because I think it's something that uh, a local chain that we used to uh, 
frequent called Square Boy, uh, they would have, or maybe a couple of different pizza places, they'd say, hey, here's a Canadian pizza. And it's basically just bacon, uh, onion, and I think pepperoni is also on it. I don't even remember. Actually, I haven't had it in ages. So I think it was kind of an attempt to brand pizza as Canadian. It never really took off. And, and I they assume chose American... three really boring toppings. Yeah. Well, there's definitely <laughs> baking. Yeah, no, it wasn't particularly wild. It had bacon <sighs> on it. That was the big thing, obviously, because back bacon, because Canadian pizza. I mean, strictly speaking, you can get some pretty wild stuff on pizza. I mean, there's dessert pizza, right? Uh, You've seen that, right? Well, that's basically or... the dough is a cookie, and then they put chocolate right. on it. I mean, yeah, I, I, I've cream, heard yeah. it, but I have not attended a CC's. Yes. Neither that's have it. I. Although there's apparently a CC's kind of in between where I live and where you live now. Yeah, I know. So we could go to a CC's one of these days. Our friend Jesse <laughs> talked about some time that we have to make, like, gather everyone to do basically a suicide pack slash lunch there. <laughs> Okay. Uh, do they have CCs in Canada? Uh, no, I don't know not. what that is. Uh, I would CC's associate it with Dairy is Queen. is a chain of pizza buffets. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Well, we have. <laughs> yeah, we have pizza on buffets and like Mandarin here in Canada. Maybe you guys have that too. I don't know. Do you know what Mandarin is? Mandarin is a Chinese restaurant, if you can believe it. But it has these huge no! buffets. No, yes. no. It has these. That's huge crazy. Yeah, but it's not all. <laughs> it's not all Chinese food. Like fully 50% of the food at a Mandarin restaurant is non-Chinese. And it really? has stuff like, yeah, pizza and all these desserts and all kinds of, like, you know, buns and, and like, yeah, just, buns. like, puns. I don't know. Uh, well, to be fair, the last time I was at a Chinese buffet, they did have, like, Italian stuff in the buffet for some bizarre reason. They put, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of uh, Chinese buffets put some put at least like one section of American kind of fast food stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. people will bring their kids who may not like be who may be too finicky to try new food. Right. But this is like no, this is literally like there's a Chinese table and there's a equally big non-Chinese table with like lasagna and french fries and sausages and all kinds of Stuff that is no way Chinese, That's even weird. remotely. There, yeah. there was a new um, Japanese buffet that opened up near us, and it is the best one because it's the only one in the state okay. that serves sushi I can eat being allergic to shellfish. Oh, oh okay. yeah. I didn't know you were allergic to shellfish. Oh, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. That's good but to you know. Can have, you can have unagi. Right? Yeah. That's okay. And like, crab fortune... and tuna. No. Like, no. Well, crab oh, no, is crab. a shellfish. Like, literally yes, not crab. Like, crab is yes. the one that is bad. Crab <laughs> and yes. shrimp. How are you bad at this? No! <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Shell? It's a shell on a fish. I don't eat seafood. What can I tell you? I don't eat it. I'm not allergic. I just don't eat it very much. Mm. So. Uh, why is that fish? It's not a fish. That's I, I object to Well, that because selling thing. aquatic bug is a harder... <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Giant, freaky, mutant aquatic bug that is somehow delicious. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, exactly. Come, eat and enjoy our aquatic bottom-feeding sea roach. Yep. 
<laughs> they don't look like is. miniature aliens. No. <laughs> Definitely not. And yet, and yet, somehow, and you have to wonder who was the first person to eat one of those things. Like, <laughs> oh no, we know who's, that. Who's the who's the lottery, the historical lottery winner who went for this the grossest critter you could ever look at, and then it turned out to be delicious. Basically. I assume they were French. <laughs> uh, no, I actually know that it uh, was. I believe it was poor. Poor. Well, either either that it was like really early done uh-huh. or that it was um or it was like i believe lobster was first done by like poor romans okay right that makes sense yeah the mediterraneans are probably they're big on shellfish so that would make a lot of but sense. it was yeah. also the thing that like you're priced out of the land meat and yeah. here's a b- bunch of you know slow-witted Sea bugs? <laughs> just have to figure out how to cook them. Oh, you just dunk them into boiling hot water? That makes perfect sense. It's like, That's... well, we need to cook them. Um, how could we cook them where we have to look at them as little as possible? <laughs> uh... And I need to clarify, we... like, lobster was my favorite food before I was allergic, yeah. so... Yeah. Oh, well, that sucks. Yeah, well, that... It's funny that of all the animals that you can eat, lobsters are the one where they put them alive in a giant tank and make yep. you stare at them before you eat them. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you can don't... select the lobster that you want to have killed. Yes, choose the form <laughs> of the destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, but they don't bring in like the cow. Kneel before and, like... me, crab. I control oh, whether you live or die. Um, I, I assume everyone here knows who David Mitchell is, correct? Uh, of, is he a Mitchell and Webb? Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. Okay, has everyone read his autobiography backstory? I have, n- no, I have, I have not. not read that. You should, because there's a great chapter in there where he details a trip going to France with his parents, where he's like maybe five to seven years old, and they decide to cook a lobster in their RV, and hilarity ensues. He was absolutely terrified, but listening to it is absolutely hilarious, because his parents did not know how to cook a lobster, and had to try to figure out how to cook a lobster. It's great. <laughs> well, the funny thing about lobsters is they they, gr- they never stop growing. Basically, they get bigger and bigger yep. and bigger the longer they live. So, oh. if they live for decades, there are some huge-ass lobsters out well, there. Well, here's the also thing. Lobsters are also do not die of old age. Right. Mm, that's true. What they will die of, however, is kind of the downside to never stopping growing, is they'll right. be getting so big that they cannot successfully molt anymore without dying of exhaustion. Oh, wow. Or they get so large that they can no longer uh, move their shells under their own power. Hmm. <laughs> oh my so, god. I mean, that yeah, kind that, of counts. That no, 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 because dying of old age specifically ties into a thing that it's, like, proportionate to various uh, diseases right. and organ failures thing, and this is, no, they don't die of that, they die of exhaustion. Oh my right. god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there, it's good that there's there, a limit, because there's a, have... They're one of a number of, a, of vertebrae that are, well, uh... Invertebrate. Yeah, invertebrate. That are uh, theoretically immortal. <laughs> the other notable ones being the naked mole rats, 
Right. Which what? also, the naked mole rats also do not have uh, any increase in their likelihood of, in their uh, likelihood of death as they get older. Meaning really? that, yeah, and virtually all naked mole rats simply die of uh, misadventure or disease, but it is not age-related. Wow. Huh. That's very Pretty much strange. then it comes up the idea that it's like, okay, say that, like, a healthy young mole rat has, like, a 15% chance of either uh, succumbing to a deadly injury or getting a disease and dying. Hmm. Right. It ha- uh next year it still has fifteen percent chance of that. The year after right. that still fifteen percent chance. Again and Fair again enough. again, seemingly indefinitely, until simply that chance comes up and they die, but that right. chance never goes up. Unlike with humans, your chance of dying of the cold goes up once right. you get elderly. So right. how old have naked mole rats gotten then? I believe that they've gotten to be like thirty years. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's impressive, but when you say they're theoretically immortal, I'm like, is there a 200-year-old naked bull rat out there? We must Yeah, we must uh, find oldest that we know is up to 32 years. Okay, all right. But I guess they're also likely to get eaten, those things. They don't really... They're kind of low um, on the food chain, right? Well, actually, the main reason is the cause of death is, to put it this way, so you know how moles have special claws to dig? Right? Yeah. Know how naked mole rats don't have that? Oh. Yes. They excavate their burrows because they use their heads to dig. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. And they are you social, so death by misadventure is a common one. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. From things of like tunnels collapsing upon themselves or simply like accumulating injuries that lead to right. death. They also seemingly do not feel pain. Presumably also because they need to spend their life digging with their head. <laughs> do you mean, like, with their teeth? Or do you mean, like... Um, the... I mean kind of both. Yeah. Like, they, like they literally just... do, like, use their whole head in digging. They, <laughs> okay. like, chew their way through rock, and they, like, move the dirt around using their whole head, unlike claws <laughs> like most other burrowing creatures do. So they can't use their paws at all to dig? I mean, they're not adapted for it. Their heads okay. are what they use to dig. Okay. 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 Nature's mistake, the naked mole rat. I mean, you say mistake, but they're also yeah. extremely resistant to cancer, live longer than, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. nearly any other rodent, Yeah. are you social... Right. Mammals, and like one of the few that are, and can survive an amazingly long time without oxygen. Okay. Oh, jeez. Well, that makes sense if they're underground. And yeah. That, yeah, but yes. So basically, God was kind of like randomly assigning attributes. He, he, his dice rolls were hitting a lot of natural ones and natural 18s when he was assigning things to the naked mole rat, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah we'll assume that's the case. <laughs> natural 20s, whatever. Um, well, clearly anyway. they did not... Uh, clearly their dump stat, was, dump stat was charisma, because, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, they are the ugliest damn things you've ever seen in your life. They're so ugly, it kind of slides into cute until they open (laughs) their mouth and you see the fact that they have no lips means that there's no clear distinction between the inside and outside of their mouth. And it's just like a lip. It's like Jim Henson made a Muppet out of a dead animal. Oh, (laughs) yeah. 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 Let's move on to... um... Let us not uh, move on. I love these things. I know. Well, we're kind of... <laughs> the only naked mole rat I care about is Rufus, and he's not real, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, let's. Ch- if who's Rufus? If Rufus was real, he'd be very unhappy that he was taken away from his very large family. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I got a picture of a naked mole rat here. Who is Rufus, by the way? Uh, from Kim Possible. Ah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, well, since we're speaking about children's uh, entertainment, uh, let's talk about this one that uh, Ing linked to earlier in the day, oh. also in the DMs. Uh, yeah. The, the um... Atlantic article saying, throw your children's art away. <sighs> and if there's a more naked example of uh, riling everyone up via clickbait, I'd like to hear of it. Um yeah, this this article feels like it was written by someone who may have been a mild so- sociopath. Well, um, okay, so first thing I'm seeing, this is seemingly their first thing written for The Atlantic. So a great fucking start. Oh, God. <laughs> but it got the clicks. Oh, God, they are a parent. Yeah, yeah they no, they have, they have children. Or at least they claim to have children. But yes, no, this... Um, just the fact that my my favorite part of this article it's just that uh it's a it's a woman right it's mary townsend it gets into yeah. a whole thing where <laughs> she talks about the philosophy of uh the value of art debates about the proper way to value and preserve art have existed for millennia for example socrates was known for his willingness to discard all art completely on the grounds that any representation amounted to a false truth but plato his student was exceedingly concerned with his own work's preservation anyway so it's like <laughs> that's all well and good to talk yeah. about the intellectual preservation of art that's not why you're preserving <laughs> your child's artwork yeah you're not not doing it for like the value it will have for future generations or for the you know art not even really the artistic development of them as an individual let alone their contribution to the art world uh you're doing it because it's an emotional factor which Mm -hmm. she barely engages with in this entire article Although, Um, well, see, the thing is, I work in a framing department, so we get a lot of children's artwork, and some parents want to spend all the money in the world to preserve their child's art, and some parents, like, they just want the cheapest thing that we possibly have, and of course their artwork isn't standard size, so it doesn't fit into any of the frames we have. Um, So it's just kind of like... However you feel on either on that big old scale, whether you want to spend all of the money or almost no money at all, it's just kind of like, if you value their your kids' artwork, they will probably respect you more. <laughs> Cause, well, yeah. Yeah. That's what it ultimately comes down to. Well, yeah, and, I mean... and if you don't want your kid to become an artist, then yes, throw it all away, because then they think that, oh, I'm not good. <laughs> and then I mean... they won't pursue an art career. Yeah, in all that's, likelihood. That's and really... can we point out that this person literally had the fucking gall and lack of self-awareness 
to use the sentence, for example, Socrates. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. And I then mean, they then they mentioned Mr. Rogers' neighborhood in like the next paragraph. Yeah, like, I mean trying to build this philosophical case for it is kind of insane because nobody's talking about well, you mu- yes, I must have Kimmy's artwork in a museum. And like Avi, you're talking about people framing their kids' artwork and mm-hmm. I mean fine, I mean do what you want to do and maybe yep. they did something particularly special. And I can certainly see keeping like one or two pieces and being like uh, elevating those but i mean all you need to do is keep them in a shoebox you will want to look at those again absolutely 100 percent. you will want to look at your child's artwork at some point in the future and they will probably want to look at their artwork uh at some point in the future i think one of the most interesting pieces of kids artwork that i've done was i framed two pieces one was drawn by her son Mm-hmm. When he and it was a portrait of her, and he drew it when he was about five, and then one was done by her grandson, which was another portrait of her when he was also about five or six. So it's okay. just kind of like if you save your kid's artwork, shit like that could possibly happen. <laughs> and I mean, so, people, yeah. So go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, that's that's my main point. Shit like that could happen where you have. Your son, where it becomes a generational thing, and that's very, very nice and sweet, and a lot more sentimental than, eh, they did a thing. It's not very good because they're they don't have any motor skills. So why am I keeping it? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but you're forgetting that eventually, <laughs> if you've looked at this art long enough, the art becomes pitiful, emptied of meaning. It remains <laughs> at best. A sign that the child has moved on to another equally inferior moment of her life, already coloring on something else. The crisis of children's art starts here, when the work feels both important and irritating all at once. (laughs) That feeling (sighs) might just be you contemplating your own mortality. Yeah, I mean... There are so much going on. I'm sorry, millennials are the selfish one? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, can you imagine I, just your kid like showing you a drawing of like a boat there and this person crumpling it up Jimmy stop reminding me of death <laughs> <laughs> and like I don't know if they're just trying to wax philosophical about what happens to a lot of kids around the age of 8 or 9 and that's when they realize that hey I'm not that good at drawing <laughs> <laughs> like like, okay, so when kids go to draw a table that's round, they'll draw a big circle, and then they'll draw four legs. Right. And the four legs won't make any sense in terms of the big circle they drew. Right. There comes a point, usually it's around the age of eight or nine, when they realize, wait a second, the big circle with the four sticks sticking out isn't actually how that table looks. And that's right. mostly because they have an under- don't have an understanding of things like perspective and things like that, and foreshortening and things like that. So right. when that hits yeah, their but... psyche, that's usually when kids stop wanting to do art. But Avi! But that's not what they're talking about here. They're talking but... about something else. But Avi, They're trying defense... to talk about that, but they're not talking about that. In defense of the, those children may not understand perspective, but clearly neither does this writer. Oh yeah, no, definitely not. (laughs) Also, I just want to point out, um, using the phrasing, blank feels both 
blank and blank all at once is horrible fucking writing, and an editor should have caught that. Probably, yeah. <laughs> this writing is so ephemeral and pitiful, yeah. it reminds me of my own mortality. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, that's really. You know what? Do, you know what else does that? Children existing, <laughs> like the fact that children grow up and age rather quickly compared to adults, is what's going to remind you of real mortality. Not, not their art specifically. So it's like if you can't deal with the fact that your children are going to make you feel old, perhaps you shouldn't be a parent. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's just... I mean... Yeah, it's just so weird that they... I And, and they make nephew... the argument for, like, not saving this stuff because you never know what the kid is going to remember. It's like... Well, God forbid they see either A, you throwing their artwork away, or B, their artwork in the trash itself. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the person is arguing. They're kids, and you're just trying to make yourself feel better about yeah. the fact that you need to shit can your kids' shit. Uh... I mean, I got I got a gift from my nephew uh, from his birthday. Did uh, it make uh, you think of death? <laughs> <laughs> my first thought was, well, my own mor- mortality. Uh, but my, <laughs> my second huh, was a treasure. I'm gonna it die. Was- <laughs> yeah. Well, it was my birthday gift, and he it was a treasure map. And it's Aww. just the sweetest... I know, it's the sweetest thing! I literally have it on my fridge still. And I mean, Aww. someday I'm probably going to lose it or whatever. I, I, I'm not going to pretend it's... I'm going to, like, carefully hang on to it and stuff. But, I mean, how can that not make you feel good? And how can you not want to hold on? I can see if they do... Because some kids are super artistic. They may do hundreds of drawings. You're probably going to lose some of them. Sure, you may throw some of them out. Like, let's be reasonable. It's just a logistics thing at a certain yeah. point. You don't want to hang on to everything. But this is literally saying, no, definitely throw it out. Like, once you're done with it, throw it out. Don't bother keeping it so you can come back to it in 20 years. It's like, also, those love letters that your uh, your husband or wife gave you when you were courting, you should throw those out because that's ephemeral and you've moved past that uh, area in your life. The postcards that you sent from vacation, you should throw those out because it's ephemeral. Like, everything's ephemeral. Why are you keeping anything under this logic? You know what I mean? Good news, everyone! I found Great Grandpa's letters from when he was serving in the Civil War. Right through the shredder. They're useless! Ephemeral <laughs> <laughs> for me. That, that was like, that's like, old man. I'm slightly surprised they didn't try to go with a weird Buddhist route for this, where you're not supposed to want to hold on to material things. But the thing is, your children's artwork isn't just necessarily a material thing. It could be a sentimental thing, depending on what it was that they drew. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. I'm no, no one's keeping it for the, you know, the the quality of the artwork, I assume. And it's, just, it, uh... it's also the thing, it's like, no, look, I can't make an argument that this is a thing you should care about. Uh-huh. Because I, because basically it comes down, I don't know how to explain to you that, <laughs> that you should care. Uh-huh. The... Yes, the rallying cry of our times. Yeah, care about your kids, damn it. No matter how much you think their art sucks. I even want to <laughs> believe that this person 
did in fact keep all their kids artwork and they just <laughs> they, I, they did it to be shocking you know yeah to tell other i people. think a lot of this article is largely fucking nothing although yeah. dear god that one there about the kids how ephemeral it is that the kids have moved on it reminds me of death yeah that is that there's a lot going on psychologically uh that, that, that's article. kind of the money quote there it's like look i i don't know how to answer it when it seems like you resent your children because they're gonna outlive you yeah yep. well there's also a weird thing where it gets to like the last part of it where they were like boomers were raised on nostalgia and it's just kind of like have you not been paying attention to like the past five years where everything is nostalgia for millennials especially like uh-huh. it's not just that generation it's it's every generation we all have nostalgia for something yeah I mean, so... I'm fairly sure families used to keep records of their, like, 19, you know, if you're a 19th century, century, you know, nobleman, mm-hmm. I'm fairly sure you have records of your family that go back a ways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, this isn't, this isn't some new phenomenon where people want to hang on to their family history, you know? So, tying that in is, as, like, we talked uh, the other, uh, a few a few episodes ago, we talked about uh, the, how you know kicking at millennials has become a major source of clickbait. Oh, I do yeah. feel I do feel like we're going to see more and more kicking at boomers is the same thing <laughs> from the opposite direction. That Probably it becomes... <laughs> as as more Gen Xers and millennials start to write pieces like this, we're see <laughs> those boomers like that's going to be a cheap laugh applause line basically in these things more Probably. and more. I think so because I always say you know with both the boomers and the millennials. The ones that you resent the most are, it's not the boomers or the millennials, it's like a certain group, usually the most pampered and privileged and obnoxious of that particular era. Uh, mm. Those are the bad ones. Um, and we've we've always reframed it as a generational clash, and it's mostly just, no, people who are, have their heads up their asses, who exist throughout time and space, such as this person. Yeah, yeah, and par- a big part of it is that they want to be shocking, but they also don't want to say anything. Right. Just is mm. where that this is a lot of back and forth. Of yeah, this is a very this is this is definitely uh, you know college book report stuff <laughs> where they needed to fill pages on Probably. like a one idea, and it's it's actually in some ways well written, or at least making an appearance of uh, look at how. I've considered this, and look at all this philo- philosophy I'm putting into this, and all this intellectual thought that I'm putting into it, and it almost brushes against some interesting points, but it's really just, I have a crazy title that'll make everyone click on it, <laughs> that'll get everyone wrought up. Uh, how can I pad that out to an article? That is very much what it feels like once you scratch the surface of this one. Anyway. I do have to say, I think my favorite sentence, because of how ridiculous it is, is the point of life isn't to prolong youth, but to have grow up. To have grown up. Like, that's not the point of life. Growing up is not the point of life. It's not the point of life. Also, it's like, like keeping the shit isn't to prolong the childhood there. No. It's because you might actually have some sense of fond memory of your kid. Yes. Yeah. I mean, exactly. It's not, it's like, it's, she's trying to frame it as unhealthy. 
like you're clinging to the past by like it's like for god's sake you're allowed to keep some mementos yeah of like your own I, life. I i understand not wanting to have a hoarder mentality but it's okay to keep stuff Mm-hmm. And, and then just just wait and then ask your kid hey look at the stuff I kept do you want us to k- still keep it <laughs> and it's obnoxious to be prescriptive about it for people uh, Avi let yeah. me know if I'm being offensive there but a lot of this feels like kind of the uh, bullshit uh, white slash westerner version of Buddhism oh yeah no definitely it is <laughs> yeah which <laughs> Which is why, again, I'm surprised she didn't she didn't go into the Buddhism angle or the or the the belief that you aren't supposed to acquire material things. And again, it's yeah. just kind of like your children's artwork is not material; it's sentimental. Yeah, not. <laughs> or not, at least it should be sentimental. Not by name, but it's like going into the idea of that. Yeah, exactly. And especially which... with just how faux meditative everything about this is yeah yeah that's probably why i'm just kind of like "Eh, it's okay to have nice memories and to to look back at things because if we don't look back we can't figure out what our future is like like that's a legitimate thing (laughs) this also i can't help but remember think of as well um our, our our good friend Ayn Rand, who we've discussed before, yes. uh, supposedly there's a story that at one point uh, she went, she she had to go away or something when she was a child, uh, growing up. She's I believe grew up in Russia, and her mother literally throwed all her childhood toys. Which oh. she was still a child at this point. It wasn't like she was a she wasn't like a teenager. It was like she was eight. And suddenly she had no toys. And her mother oh. was like, yeah, you didn't need those. That You're done with those. You know, it was the same. So it's funny. This is making me think of the same mentality. And this is the kind of thing. Do you that... want in rants? This is how you get on rants. This... Oh, my God. <laughs> you want in rants? <laughs> this <laughs> is how you do it. Yeah, oh, the grand, there's a lot of people who do that to themselves. Like, because I know I think it's going to become less common, but there are a lot of people who are like, as soon as they become quote unquote adults, they get rid of all of the things that they feel like oh, make them quote unquote uh, kids, and a yeah. lot of that has to do with comic books and video games and stuff like that. Well, I, so, I'm, I'm really bad about actually not keeping stuff that I like. Years later, I might be like, oh, I wish I'd hung on to that. I am actually, I can, I, I, I can actually completely kind of relate to that, but that's me doing it to my own stuff. I'm not doing it to my kid. My parents didn't do it to me. They didn't ch- chuck out all the stuff I was done with. Right. Uh, w- th- all the stuff that I'd, you know, supposedly outgrown. And yeah, you're right. There's a point where you might be like, oh yes, I'm too cool for whatever I was, you know, whatever. I don't want this stuffed to- animal. I'm embarrassed that I played with this stuffed animal. But then, you know, when you become an adult, <laughs> you want that to still be here. I, st- I do still have, uh, I had a big box of all my old Transformers toys that I hung on to for uh, like literally a decade or two. And I started to hate Transformers by the time I became, you know, a teenager. I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed that I like that stuff. It's just a bunch of stupid toys. But I hung on to them and uh, now I'm giving them to my nephews and they love them. Like they, Aww. they adore them. Uh and it's like, wow, okay, cool. Another generation is getting used out of these toys, basically. So that's another thing. I mean, not it's not going to happen with children's artwork, I guess. Um, 
but it is uh, it is interesting. I mean, we don't have a lot of children's artwork from like the 19th century that I'm aware of, do we? Or am I completely insane about that? Uh, largely, no, we don't. And I think that's in part because of weird class systems and the fact that like these days kids go to public school and they'll make art at public school and bring it home because again i i work in a frame shop so that's largely a lot of the children's art we frame is stuff that kids have made at school so right. that's not something that necessarily would have happened like in the in the early 20th century right um yeah I do, the only children's, quote-unquote, children's art that I've ever seen was the stuff Picasso did when he was very, very young, hmm. but that's because he was a prodigy. He was drawing well-proportioned people as, like, a five-year-old, oh, which is okay. not normal. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, amusingly, most... is the opposite of what he would be known for. Exactly. Right. Well, that's part of the reason why he was doing that kind of artwork as an adult is yeah. because he felt as though he never had a childhood, so he wants to draw the way children draw, which oh, is basically simplified form stick figures and warped perspective. Like, again, yeah, the, the whole thing where you draw a round table, so you draw a big circle with four sticks sticking out of the bottom. Is that right. correct? Technically, no. <laughs> but right. is it is it the essence of that table? Technically, yes. <laughs> so that's what he was doing as an adult. So, huh. yeah. Well, but but you know the fact that we do have drawings of his from when he was five or whatever. And again, I guess if he was a prodigy, they're more likely to do it. But I think also my... he his father was also an artist and recognized, hey, my kid's right. really good at art. Let me save this. Because I'm kind of wondering to what <laughs> kids start. When did kids start to draw a lot? Like. Technically, it's probably true that for much of human history, kids didn't have materials to draw with, right? Like, it took a while before you could get well, to the probably point where they were nothing that could crayons. be saved. I would say, I mean, if that makes sense. I mean, Not that nothing was saved, we, but we have found like some fairly ancient homework. Right, that's that true. That included like sketches of the teachers and all. Yeah, right. but that's just it. It was homework, not. Oh, let's give Timmy a crayon and see what they draw. Like rec for recreation, that might I have mean, been a bit of a luxury. The, the sketches, the sketches, in like the marginalia. Right. But again, that those are people who would have gone to school, and typically, depending on what time period and area we're talking about, only the privileged would get to go to school. Whereas um, after World War II, pretty much everyone got to go to school at least within the united states like we have a public school system now in place where pretty much everyone gets to go oh. to school and depending on how young they are they pretty much always do kids art in school yeah. unless you know they happen to be in a school system that doesn't have an arts program which would suck so yes which is common. which well, is I mean, basically they many schools. yeah they had schools for quite a while. I mean, like, they, yes, a public school system was established, but there were, you know, think of the Western, you know, school marms who would go out to teach the kids who didn't have an education otherwise. But right, you're right, but I, I, but I yeah. think their focus was mostly things like reading, writing, arithmetic. They yeah, probably no, was... weren't, weren't busting out the charcoals for kids to draw with. No. <laughs> Unfortunately. Right, I mean, it was definitely not very advanced, but, I mean, they did have... Uh, it wasn't uncommon for people to have schools, you know, going back a few hundred years. It wasn't just fairly recent, yeah. I think. Yeah. The, 
the other thing about this article that gets me, which is probably more than the gist of it, that like we said, is a lot of like talking around things and mm-hmm. it's like a lot of soccer mom navel gazing. Um yeah. is just <laughs> how again, it's more stuff of just diminishing like the concept of art as unimportant or that this is not a thing you should encourage kids yeah like we did a bit ago the thing that we got too many mediocre artists yeah (sighs) and and this is what it it reminded me of right and it's just kind of like all kids art essentially looks the same like it it's all very representational because again round table four sticks etc etc um because it's it's not about being accurate it's about having the essence of something so so that's that's how kids artwork fundamentally is and that's how it's probably always going to be and it's going to be a very select few who will be able to translate what they see in front of them onto a piece of paper in a way that is 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 quote-unquote correct (laughs) um so so it's just kind of like if you don't want to encourage your kids art then fine go ahead throw it all away but i have a suspicious feeling that you won't be doing good things to their psyche if you do that (laughs) you know well as you as you say it's it they they do talk all this big game about intellectual uh you know concepts about art with aristotle and plato and everything but there is you're right it's completely fucking irrelevant yeah no it's true it's completely it is absolutely irrelevant and And then there's a sense well well you know socrates said that all art was garbage (laughs) yeah sort of it's like socrates said a lot of shit that's why we poisoned him (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's true yeah nobody liked socrates um, but it was, but I mean, I just, I, I think you're right. There's a sense that she doesn't get, like, there's no sense of the value of art at all, whether it's kids or adult artwork. But do you know why be... we're, do you know why we're putting you to the death, Socrates? Do you? This is what we're talking about! <laughs> <laughs> is, is it what we're talking about? Yes. That our one, fo- very our one listener who's a philosophy major really liked that joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is yes. this sort of nostalgia good for the soul, or is it ultimately a weakness yeah. that fails to offer satisfaction? The point I was getting at is that Socrates was probably very annoying. Oh, oh yeah. Very no, much in so. person, because people who use the Socratic method are very annoying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I like I like the idea that like we've framed him as this brilliant intellectual titan and rebel and challenging of the thing. It's like, yeah, but he probably just pissed everyone off as a big and he was literally a know-it-all. Like literally, you know, and not only that, but of course he famously said, "Well, I don't know anything. I know nothing. I I just um I am not a guy like the false humility of Socrates, right? And then, of course, but then they said, "Oh, but he's the wisest man on earth because he knows he knows nothing." I mean, you know I mean? that has some wisdom in it too. But I could see just like uh, 
fucking Zeno or one of the Stoics of it going, like, just in the background making, uh, ye oldie jerk-off hand motions. (laughs) (laughs) Rolling his eyes. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah. You'd like to hear what some of the other philosophers who aren't as, who didn't last (laughs) thought of of Socrates at the time. I said Aristotle. Um, I think she, yeah, anyway. But yeah. So I have one question, just just for curiosity's sake, since we're mm-hmm. all three of us are artists in some capacity. Did our parents save our artwork in any in any which way that yes. that we are aware of? Yes. Yes. Uh, definitely saved some of mine, and actually gave it to me, and then I probably lost some of it. In <laughs> so that's not on them. But um, okay. Yeah. No, I somewhere. I, no, actually, you know what? I do have some pretty old stuff. Uh, buried somewhere in here. It's not like I take it out to look at it very often, but I think I have the first comic I ever drew uh, somewhere. Um, if I if I was careful enough to retain it, um, but you know, you always go through those periods where you're like, oh, I don't need this anymore, and you toss it, and then you're like, five years later, you're like, Oh, I wanted that. I wish I'd kept it. But um, no, I yes, my parents very much kept my art and were very encouraging to me for my art. Okay, so, there you go. What about yours? Yeah, same. Uh, same, also. There's one particular thing that I did in kindergarten that my mom actually would keep in her cubicle at work, at her mm-hmm. various jobs, so when she moved from job to job, it always ended up going back up in her cubicle, until mm-hmm. most recent years, because it's kind of weird to still have your daughter's kindergarten artwork up when she's essentially an adult. So, yes. um but that was something that she had up in her in her workspace for a very long time. Yeah. Good. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah, exactly. That sentiment. And then there there really is a point where you're like, "No, I would really like to see this again." Uh maybe not things you drew when you were like 4, but you know, when you were sort of 8 or 9 and maybe you did something kind of interesting. Like I say, I did comics when I was Literally when I was six, but also like when I was in in uh, middle school, I was doing all kinds of comic related stuff, and it was mm. uh, and and I'm kind of like, oh, I want to dig that out and see if it's still here. Um, you know, I might again. There's a vague feeling I might have thrown some of that out, uh, but now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh yeah, gee, maybe I do have those. Those were kind of stupid, but at least it would be funny to you know look at and see how I've evolved as a <laughs> as a creator. So, right. Anyway, what about you, Ing? Anything particularly interesting? Yeah, my anecdote? mom kept a lot of stuff and kept some stuff that I really don't like, but also <laughs> I don't. But also I don't complain about it because, on it makes her happy. Okay. To have that stuff on the wall, even if it's stuff that like I know is like, uh, like basically and giving some devil it's due to this raid or some just, like, childish garbage stuff, but mm-hmm. it was earnest attempts at the time, and, I, again, it made my parent happy to have it. Exactly. Right. Yeah, which is the idea, obviously. Yes. And Even it's if al- it's just... It's also the one where it's like, I don't know, like, where I sat there, I don't know how to tell you that the key problem is that this shouldn't be a big source of, like, debate or angst for you. Hmm. <clears throat> like, yeah. like, talking to the writer. It's like, you yeah. You seem to understand that there is some sort of disconnect 
between you and how you and other parents see things. <laughs> but yeah. y- exactly. y- not. It's like n- no one can explain this to you. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. I feel I feel rather bad for her child or children. Uh, oh well. Yeah. <laughs> Unless again, she was just doing it for shocking clickbait and actually keeps all her childs. Okay, out. look. Even then, though, they still put out for the whole world to th- see a thing. Yeah. Basically, put out my child stuff is crap, and I angsted over whether to just throw it out. <laughs> yep. It's like, exactly. yeah, thanks, Ma. Mm-hmm. That's gonna. That's gonna go. It's like my new click piece is there. Every time I bathe my kid, I had to fight the air to just hold the head under until the bubble stopped. Yeah, oh God, yes, exactly. Your child will someday be able to read that. They will. They will get old enough to read that someday. I feel so. like this is the sort of values flip side of the coin people said like well you know don't do sex work what if your parents find out about it it's like don't write this what if your kid finds out about it exactly. oh yeah yep. it's on the internet it's on the internet forever now exactly Not and at thinking. very least you're gonna be at like fielding a bunch of questions like so did your mom just like hate you Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly Ah, so this is why you didn't go into the art field. Uh-huh. Uh. It's the opposite of Christopher Robin, or whatever. Those books where the, the parent literally wrote... Or in, like, in God Girl, where she's, like, the child of parents who wrote... Who wrote, uh... Who wrote her into their stories, and it created impossible expectations for her. You know? Or, or, yeah. <laughs> it's the opposite of that, basically. Oh, I always had this, uh, my parents made uh, money off of clickbait talking about how much they didn't want to keep my artwork and how much they, did, they didn't care about me. Also, I... the, the concept of one having, like, a kid that, like, has enough resources where they can make, like, artwork mm-hmm. is all that. And keeping your kid's artwork is in many ways a luxury Yeah, a lot of people cannot have, especially, you know, when we're talking in a country that has a lot of education, um, like, inequity, and just in general child care inequity. Yep. So, like, uh, uh, it's like, geez, how can I just say, like, really white people problems? But yeah. Kind of, just a little bit. I mean, apparently what spurred them to start throwing away their kids' artwork was the fact that they received boxes from their mother and Mm -hmm. mother-in-law from their their school days, and it was just boxes and boxes of stuff. Yeah. And that, you know, their parents kept, and it's just kind of like, at least look at it and be happy, and Mm -hmm. then you can throw it away because your parents gave it to you. To decide yeah. what to do with it. Because you your parents throw it gave away, a shit? Yeah. <laughs> your parents gave a shit. They're showing you they gave a shit. Now it's your. Now it's up to you whether or not you want to throw it out. Or maybe keep a few pieces. Like. Right. Yeah. That like. Paying some kind of visceral memory. In, mm-hmm. from, from when you were happy. Hopefully. Yes. Well, so I think uh, we wanted to remind you of what you were like before you started writing for the Atlantic. 
Where no, you misunderstood. Wrong. This wasn't nostalgia. This was an intervention. <laughs> Do you remember? Do you remember when you used to care, and you didn't just write clickbait? Please come back to us. All is forgiven. Don't don't fall into Jeet here's clutches. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, let's, uh, well, okay, let's do one more one. I think we've milked that one dry. So, uh, there's this, this other one, which just exploded today and it's okay. delving into the, uh, I think Avi, you'll be able to uh, help us out. This is delving into the, uh, murky world of Harry Potter. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't it's... know enough about Fantastic Beasts, unfortunately. No, it's but either it is... this or me suggesting that uh, Avi I, and I try to explain Bowsette to Adam. Oh, oh well, we definitely have to do that, because that's basically our Waluigi segment. So... Yes. Okay, <laughs> so we'll come back to that. But this is as I understand it with the Harry Potter thing, um, because it was the snake who was Voldemort's snake... Uh, was originally a person. Oh, God. Did you not hear about this? Have you not? No, I just saw the picture and I didn't read the article. Yeah, so she she was a... uh, She was a woman, and an Asian woman at that, um, and and that was a snake. And it was kind of... um, You know, people... As as seems to frequently be the case with J.K. Rowling, it ended up being a little problematic. Um... And kind of, you know, she's she's now, it's become a running gag now that J.K. Rowling just keeps, like, retconning uh, all the wonders of her, uh, her how, how great her stories were in ways that she didn't bother to write at the time. Uh, like, there's the famous, you know, Dumbledore is gay. Uh, <sighs> and as people have said, you know, well, that's great, but you didn't write him that way, and you just said it retroactively sort of to claim credit for it, right? Um, yes, for credit, for reference, the fact that Dumbledore's brother has an arrest for fucking a goat made it into the book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he does. I don't remember that part. His brother very... his brother was arrested for, what was it, unlawful charms on an animal. Oh my god. And and later when they meet him, he is living with a goat living at his house. Oh okay. my god. The implication of the joke is very clear. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, that kind of went over my head, I have to say, because I don't have a filthy mind like you two. Um, but, uh, yeah, I... <laughs> it's... Okay, yeah. so human turning into a snake, that is something that is that, that we do have in the Harry Potter universe where people can transform into animals. That is a thing. And sometimes that is um, something that is supposed to be something that is registered with the government, but we do see cases where it isn't registered with the government. Okay, that's all perfectly fine. But I'm very confused why you would name the character Nagini, which is a Sanskrit word that basically means female snake. Right. That is based off of that. That comes from the word naga, which means snake. Right. Which is also a race of people from India. <laughs> yeah. And somehow you don't take <laughs> any of that into account when you create this character. <laughs> very, very confused. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I am also laughing at so much of the Voldemort. This is my familiar. 
Snake. <laughs> this is my fe- my my familiar, the female snake, female snake. <laughs> yep. But but like nagas are supposed to be an actual race in India. Like like did she does she just not bother you mean, like, to do uh, any like a fantastical thing? Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Because I, I know of the mythological one. It's... Right, exactly. So there are supposed to be quote-unquote snake people, but then there are also actual people who consider themselves nogs. So it's just kind of like... Does she just not care anymore is, is really what it comes down to. Not that, that, not that like part of me feels like she didn't really care in the first place because there's a lot of dumb world-building in, in Harry Potter in general, but the fact that she's expanding that world, she's just not doing any research at all, is she? Yeah. Well, this is, <laughs> as I said, I mean, the, the issue is here is like, ah, there are no major Asian... I mean, okay, there's one semi-minor, semi-major Asian character in Harry Potter, from what I recall, right. uh, which is Harry's brief fling. Uh, but although she doesn't really do much in the stories, um, yeah, the, he, she's her his date. That's it. Yeah, and um, so this is kind of like, oh look, I got an Asian woman in there, and it's like, yeah, but from what I understand, I don't, I don't know the Fantastic Beast stories either. Uh, but from what I understand, she turns into a snake and is trapped as a snake in Harry Potter's time, even though this is a flashback to you know decades before. Um, oh. And then well, she gets killed. Oh, yes, the snake was once a person. It was like, well, that really makes it hard to... Thanks, that really uh, put a damper on feeling proud yeah. for Neville Longbottom well, for the one exactly. thing he fucking contributed in the whole narrative. This is a quote, and this is the last paragraph in the article where the actress reveals that the character can transform from human to snake at will, yet due to her mysterious blood curse, she knows she'll have that eventually she'll become a snake permanently. Yeah. So, what? Well, this is... Yeah, apparently she's not an animagus. She's a maledictus. Which uh... is, I don't even know what that means and what that is. I don't know what but that it, means either. Apparently it somehow makes it okay. I don't, you know. Well, no, I don't think it makes it okay. It just is like, I just decided to make another up fancy word. Because, yeah. because I need to explain why this is happening. And so this is happening. And I don't see any reason why this is wrong. Because I have clearly done my research. Dating back to the culture in which I stole the name for the snake from. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, I, I'm sorry, does it also highlight the thing there that it, like, seemed like, okay, you were getting warmer and warmer that it's the thing there. Okay, well, the name comes from India and is, yes. re- and is uh, <laughs> referencing, like, some Indian mythology of which there might also be some Indian ethnicity involved. So we're casting an East Asian woman. It's like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, well, you got and the to, right continents? Question to, mark. And, and, and truth be told, Hinduism did have a fairly widespread throughout Asia, like a surprisingly widespread throughout Asia. Um, 
but it was mostly through Southeast Asia and Indonesia. So, and East Asia isn't entirely out there, but it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, <laughs> it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, it's a case of where I think this, and this is an issue that happens sometimes where people go, ah, oh, look, it's colorblind casting and we cast a POC. It's like, yeah, but you can't just stick them in <laughs> throughout the story no matter what, because sometimes having a certain character that way creates a problem uh, that wouldn't have been there otherwise. And I mean, it's, you know, it's, you know, you gotta say, okay, they're trying at least, but, you know, as, as somebody said, you know, if you're, if you're making a story set in World War II, you don't cast, you know, POCs as Nazis uh, for inclusion, right? Like, it's yeah. not, it's not, that's not helping anything. That's, yeah. you, you could say, oh, I'm casting a multiracial cast. He's like, yeah, but there are certain roles you have to think about before you cast them, obviously. Yeah. Um, and and, and, and choosing, that. choosing a deliberately Sanskrit name mm -hmm. like it it is Sanskrit it is based on a Sanskrit word yeah it, got, it, it's just stupid I've like, got this to assume whole thing she is just was, stupid I, I've got to assume she was referencing uh Ricky Tiki Tavi by uh Rudyard Kipling uh with the name probably the, the snakes and those are named Neg and Nagina um yeah that's, again, that's um, I yeah. mean before the reveal that it was a person I kind of would have said that you could just dismiss it by Voldemort named the damn right. snake. Yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. Voldemort was just being an edgelord and just named the damn snake. Yeah, like, it's not even... I mean, if it's if your snake is named Snake in Hindi, that's not even that big a deal. It's just that if you then reveal that they used to be a human being... And, then and that this was their birth name. Apparently yeah. their birth name. Yeah, oh and my god. And we're supposed to believe that they are... East Asian of some kind, and they we probably won't even ever find what sort of East Asian because God forbid we ever get a clear parse of that because we yeah. never do. I was gonna make a joke that ah, oh, your child is born. Yes, I will name it Snake. But <laughs> this is also the book story that has a werewolf who's named Wolf Wolf. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Remus Lupin. It's wolf, wolf in wolf. two different languages. Wolf, wolf. Wolf, wolf. <laughs> which, fuck you, which I'm sorry, but wrong. wolf, wolf is a much better name. Yeah. 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 It's so yeah. stupid, it becomes awesome. Well, to be fair, a lot of names in, like, older languages are like that, right? Like, your name is just... You know, Mister Far the guy who farms or whatever. Like, or even in English, it's like your name is Miller or Smith or whatever. So, I well, mean that's usually family names. Your your family name is often a vocational name, right? But um, I mean, there's you can name your child like your if you name your child Sophia, you're naming them Wisdom. You know, uh, like uh, like when you go back far enough, the names like the names are all kind of complex and cool and don't because they have hidden meanings to us but they weren't right. hidden meanings originally if you go back far right. enough they were just giving them names in the language R right uh, but this something. is in the but this is supposedly in the 20s yes no obviously yeah. <laughs> somebody would have like named their ah oh, yes my beloved daughter viper <laughs> Boa Constrictor, that's what I will call her. Ah, oh, my son, Tarantula, young Rancho, come meet your new sister. 
good old rancho. That is actually. I would. I, you know what, Ing? I'm sorry. You're just. You're going against your point because I would love to be called Tarantula, and people would call me Rancho for short. That would be great. Who would not want to be called Tarantula? Yeah, you know, I was about to say that. Oh, it's like actually this. This sounds like a fucking bowler family to know to like be part <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah. No, this sounds like. Uh, this sounds like a. a this sounds like a good like rip off of. No, wait. This sounds like the Adams family. I'm not even yeah. going to say rip off. Ah, yes, brother Tarantula. <laughs> Cousin Tarantula. It's so good to see you. But yeah, this is a thing that when it came out, it's like, I, I, it's like, I look like all the words that it's a maledictus. It's like, I don't know what, I, I read the books and I have no idea what any of this means. No, no. Somehow yeah. books that were like written specifically for me, when I was a child, my generation, I'm now too mm-hmm. old for. And how does that yeah. be? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that. <sighs> yeah, the mythology was never that well worked out to begin wolf, with. Wolf, wolf, wolf. 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 Who... No, I'm I'm fine with that. That's that's a, that's a that's like a Batman villain name. Yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, that's true. It's it's not the worst naming convention. Yeah. Um, all like things say, considered. Because his name isn't Wolf Wolf. It's like if you know Latin and uh, whatever other language, whatever language Lupin is, you know, then uh, French, it, I think. Yeah. Well, Lu, Lu, yeah, Lu is French. Lupin um, is, I think, Wolf in French. Um, but it, it's which, again, to be fair, is an actual name. Yes, right, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's it's actually kind of, uh, you know, it, that, like, that's fair. That's fair enough. The problem with Nagini is just like you say, she's got a Hindi name. And yeah. It was, and they've retconned it incomprehensibly, you know, and it's... I mean, uh, technically, it's what it actually is, is that the word Nag or Naga means snake. And then when you add the suffix of Eni to the end of it, it makes it feminine. Right. So, for example, a yoga master is usually called a yogi. If they're female, they would they would often be referred to as a yogini. So right. that's, that's basically where the convention comes from. Sure. What kind of guts me is that when the Harry Potter books were becoming popular was also when I was starting to do online stuff. And around that time is when I started, like, really kind of researching Sanskrit words and names. And I wanted to use the, the, the name, the word Nagini, as my online handle. But then I read Harry Potter. <laughs> and I was like, nope, can't do that because then everybody's going to ask me, oh, did you choose that because of Harry Potter? And I was going to be like, no, it's because I'm Indian. <laughs> and I'm kind of glad I didn't because of this shit now. <laughs> yeah, well, who would have thought that, that Voldemort's pet snake would now be a problematic character? Um, no, seriously, how does that happen? How? Because that's one... It's it's because J.K. Rowling does not want to do research and does not want to put systematic no, I mean, thought also into her. In terms of like, um, just plot story wise, how is this an element that gets like a fleshed out backstory? And not that I'm against the fleshed out backstory, but oh, it's you know you know what I'm getting at here. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, like what is the entire point of doing this? 
Well, right. yeah, there's like, what is the point to the Fantastic Like, is there a purpose to doing is... this that it actually leads into Voldemort's story in yeah, any well, way, is, shape, or form? This is the problem with every prequel, because you go back and you're like, well, I have to tell the story before the story. And then it becomes, there's almost an onus on it to say, well, let's reveal the secrets of how things happened and how it got to where it is. Like, so now suddenly you've got now, to come Dini up with, could have like, just secret... stayed a goddamn pet I know. snake and it would have been fine. Well, exactly. I'm but sorry, you've I'm fill it up the original somehow, so. origin of Nagini and it just has Voldemort like in a petco with his face <laughs> up against the glass. <laughs> that one! Yes. Well, this, yeah, as the Simpsons always called it, like, I like to call that the origin of Maggie's pacifier. Um, <laughs> you know, it's no, not oh, something wait, No, my favorite one is the uh, Archer joke on that. Since what do you carry a switchblade? It's a long story that it flashes back just to Archer looking outside a pawn shop that's selling yeah. switchblades. <laughs> Neat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always get in trouble for this, and I'm going to say it when I'm going to say it on the podcast now. I don't get okay. in trouble for this. I piss people off. I say I'm not a huge fan of the show Better Call Saul. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that show. I am um, aware of it. I have not watched it. Same. I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I really enjoy Breaking Bad. I know it's become the symbol of like edgelord idiots, but it is a really good show. I think, and it's about you know all the things that you know people misinterpret it to be about. Like, oh, this is awesome. It's like no, it's criticizing all that stuff. The thing about Better Call Saul is Saul Goodman's a great character. Um, he absolutely should. You know, I, when I heard he was getting his own show, that's a great idea. If you, I don't know if you know. The Breaking Bad, either uh, he's his Vaguely, lawyer. I have not watched it. Yeah, he's Here's his lawyer. The thing that I know, yeah, that I know that uh, Saul Goodman is a criminal lawyer, and that the joke is that he's a criminal criminal lawyer. lawyer. Exactly. Uh. Like at one point, he basically once his operation starts to get bigger and bigger, they're like, "We need kind of someone who can advise us." They find a lawyer who is very, very shady and clearly involved with, uh, you know, uh, criminal stuff. And he becomes like this uh, wise-ass comic relief lawyer, of course, played by Bob Odenkirk. And it was very, you know, he was he was a great character because he was like a con artist lawyer. You know, he had a law degree that he could use to run scams, basically. And he saw, you know, he saw Walter White and he saw dollar signs and he went, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be, you know, this is going to make me real rich for once and for all. Um and then his Better life was Saul. ruined. Yeah, well, everyone's life was ruined on Breaking Bad eventually. It's crime doesn't pay is very firmly the moral of Breaking Bad. Uh, but he, but what I, what frustrates me is that it's like, okay, great, here's a character. He could absolutely spin off and have his adventures and have, you know, exciting adventures as, uh, you know, as a, as a con artist. And the show is a prequel, for one thing. Um, okay. And it's that's largely so they can bring in a lot of characters on Breaking Bad... Um, who, let's say, would not have been able to show up if it had been set after the events of Breaking Dad. Bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, and it's and and this is the thing you're watching it. It's like there's so many great actors, and it is literally a show where you've got all these actors where they could read the phone book and it would be fascinating. And they almost put that to the test because that's almost what is happening on Breaking Bad. There's so much slow moving stuff and so much stuff that is setting up things that were already paid off on Breaking Bad. Uh, like, this season, they're dealing with this big rivalry between two criminal characters, who we already saw the resol resolution of that on Breaking Bad. Dad. But they're devoting all this thing to it. And we're like, yes, but more. It's like, that cannot pay off on the show Better Call Saul. It's 
like it's all these characters and it's like yeah you want to get these actors back and you want to see them doing stuff and it's great to see them again but it means this show becomes just an appendage of Breaking Bad that can never do its own thing and it's like oh here's how Saul became a crook is basically the story it's like I don't really unlike Walter White him becoming a crook was a big deal because he was a suburbanite nobody and he became a crime lord Saul was always a kind of shady and he just became more shady and we're kind of going through the same process like I don't care I want to see him going out and running crazy scams he's not even called Saul Goodman on the show which is insane to me uh like he's he did say that Saul Goodman's not his real name his name is Jimmy McGill uh and he calls himself in the show he said he called himself Saul Goodman because people wanted a Jewish lawyer basically but he's an Irish guy (laughs) that's what he said um but you know and now it's you know you're learning that oh he has you know issues with his family name because his brother is you know he hates his brother and like there's all this kind of stuff like that and again it's needless prequelitis essentially i i get it see it's a very good show in many ways but it's all this unnecessary stuff that we don't need from being a prequel it falls into all the same traps as most prequel stories do because you're selling you're like oh what about the origin of blah 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 it's like we don't need the origin we can intuit it we can look at these characters and learn and figure out all this stuff about their backstory. In fact, there's a character on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul who was notable because he didn't really have a backstory. They finally gave him, like, a one-sequence backstory, and some people felt he shouldn't have even gotten that because he's an an enigmatic character who we don't know anything about. Uh, This is Gus Fring I'm talking about. Um, That was actually cool. And And even on Better Call Saul, they've actually done a pretty good job of not going crazy with his backstory uh but again it's the whole problem with with this kind of story anyway sorry to rant about that but that's just something that's bugging me because i see so many people going oh better call Saul! it's the best show ever it's better than breaking bad i'm like no it's it's great to watch it's got these great actors in it but the story they're telling is not the right story in my humble opinion and it's because of prequel even hannibal it's just a that's probably the best prequel story ever hannibal the tv show because yeah. that is a prequel. Well, and I mean... A, yeah. I mean, not because they quickly jettisoned the idea of it being a prequel to anything. That's true. Yeah, that's part that. That's the thing. It stops being... Like, it It ends up catching up with the events of the books and everything anyway. And uh, they so, start using elements from the books in different places and just... Right. And it's now just a series inspired by those books. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's that's how it, they make it work because otherwise we don't need this to see how. And I mean, of course, there was a prequel movie made of Hannibal Lecter, if I'm not mistaken, and apparently it was like you that see we don't how speak be- of. Yeah, which I I haven't watched it, but apparently it's here's how he became a cannibal, and so, and again, you don't need that. You don't need to learn that. I no. I've mentioned. I think I've mentioned this before, the Star Wars prequel, Gary Kurtz, who just uh, passed on this week, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, He was the producer. uh, He was kind of the old hand, talking to George Lucas, who was the young kid, fairly fresh out of film school. And when they were doing Star Wars, and once it started to take off, once the first movie was a hit, he was like, well, what are are episodes one, two, and three going to be about? And Kurtz was like, well, you got to set it, like, you know, thousands of years before, totally new characters, I guess the founding of the Jedi, whatever. Stuff that is only very vaguely alluded to, but we have all this room to tell stories in. And Lucas, for whatever reason, decided, no, it's going to be about Anakin Skywalker. It's going to tell a story that we already know basically all the beats of, um, spread out over three movies. uh, I mean, 
Yeah. I can understand him wanting to do a story about the Clone Wars because that is dropped in A New Hope and that is something people were genuinely curious about, but that doesn't necessarily mean we, we have to still have a Darth Vader, a pre-Darth Vader story. You know what? I, I actually, I, I, I get it, and oh, the Clone Wars, those sound cool. But you know what? They're cool because somebody mentions them, and you can use your imagination to figure out what they were. It's the same, with th say, same thing with Solo. Uh, that mm -hmm. they did recently. He goes, oh, he's made the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Well, now we have to see him make the Kessel Run. It's so much cooler when they just talk about it and you oh, yeah. use your imagination to fill in the blanks of what it is. Not spending the movie, or in the case of the prequels, three movies, <laughs> learning about all this stuff and finding yeah. all this stuff out. Like, I'm 100% against that. I'm like, let there be some mystery. Let the audience do the, some of the work with their imagination, and what they will come up with will always be cooler for them than anything you bother to put on screen. The only reason to put it on screen is to milk it for more cash, which is, of course, why they are making more Harry Potter movies after the story is over. <laughs> oh, of course, and they're doing. Uh, aren't they doing a Cursed Child movie? Even though that play was not well received by I don't anyone. Even know. I. I, I don't know anything which about is, Christmas. Which is a sequel to Harry Potter, yeah. um, but it's apparently really poopy. <laughs> See, I can, I'm <laughs> more... I, I disagree, because it has the phrase, you're ruining Voldemort Day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not. Wait, they say his name? They have a day? Is that is that the idea? They're happy to name him now? Because... Uh... Well, he's officially dead, so... Well, he was supposed cares. to be officially oh, dead in the Harry in the first, at first in Harry Potter, too, so... And they still don't talk about Time it. Time travel shenanigans has them visiting a version of the future where Voldemort won, and children in school are forced to uh, celebrate Voldemort Day. Oh, okay. So we have Dolores Umbridge chastising children for ruining Dumbledore Day. I'm sorry, okay. ruining Voldemort Day. Uh, okay. That's that makes funny. more sense. Okay. Also, that's cool. I decided to Google Maledictus and it actually came up with the Harry Potter Wikia. Mm -hmm. And apparently, and I'm just going to read it <laughs> oh, a Maledictus was a term used to denote a female individual whose blood has been cursed from birth and would eventually lead her to becoming into a beast. What manner of beast it might be was entirely dependent on the type of curse they have been afflicted with. The curse, which can be passed down from mother to daughter, can affect a whole family line. Great. Yeah. See, see that, that, that... Again, by adding all this backstory to something that, you know, a guy killed a snake in Harry Potter, and it was like yep. a heroic moment, and now suddenly you've you've added all this uh, asterisks next to it, and we're like... I'm sorry, now I'm it? just imagining fucking Neville Longbottom in his heroic moment kills a snake, and when his back is turned, it's turned back into a human woman, and just yep. like Hagrid is like awkwardly pushing it with his foot behind a bush, <laughs> so this yeah. fucking kid doesn't see that he just shanked a woman. Yeah, yeah. basically. Because in the movie, he cuts her in half, and I'm pretty sure that's what he does in the book as well. So Yeah, yeah. with the sword. Uh, yep. um, Just Hagrid a... getting his weird battle. Come with me, Harry. There's no cops in the Forbidden Forest. 
Uh, also, there, this isn't the actually... first time I've had to dump a body for Mr. Dumbledore. <laughs> oh my god, that's, that's probably hey, Harry, the truth. Yeah. Um, so that's why Harry also... wanted to become a cop, so he could cover it up when he became... Uh, yeah, anyway. Of course. There is also a breakdown of maledictus, which is... Mal is a prefix of Latin origin meaning bad, wrongful, or ill. Okay. Dictus in Latin means spoken. Interestingly, it's a masculine term, though it only applies to women. So, yeah, once again, J.K. Rowling doesn't do any kind of research and does not think about things properly. Yep, yeah, that's right. It's a Latin male, it's a, yeah, male, male uh, gendered Latin term, which is now saying is women only. Okay, great. Yeah, and they even say roughly translated, it could mean spoken ill of or cursed. So Mm -hmm. it's a cursed, it's a curse that means cursed. Uh, Rowling. You are cursed mm. with the curse, curse! <laughs> yup! That's basically the the what it is! My daughter, Snake, I have terrible news! <laughs> <laughs> you have inherited the curse of the curse! <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> okay, there's an ongoing joke with my wife and I of referring ah the forbidden the word which is forbidden to be spoken, which some call the forbidden word. <laughs> uh, and this is a serious author doing that, you know, not uh, as a bit. Oh gosh. <laughs> the forbidden word, which is word. Yeah. <laughs> a word which okay. is forbidden, which some call the forbidden word. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. That's, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, well, we've all had a good laugh, but I think it's time for our, our Waluigi segment. Or, uh, which... as you've said, a Bowsette segment, I guess. Yeah. Uh... Which I haven't quite followed all the. Adam, do you know what a Bowsette is? I believe it's a lot of people are horny, Adam. Do you know why? (laughs) (laughs) What do I know? Why people are horny? Yes, uh... that specific reason. Yes. Okay. Tell. Explain to us what Bowsette is for those who may not know. Um. Well, it started with a video game. It's getting a re-release on the Switch. And because it's getting a re-release, they were like, well, we gotta add some shit to it. So they decided to take one of the characters, Toadette, who is very, very cute, and put her in a crown, and all of a sudden she looks like Peach! Oh my god! So then people... (laughs) So then people were like, oh my god, what the hell is with this shit? And then somebody was like, wait a second, what if we could apply this to other characters? And then they applied it to Bowser! And then everybody got really horny. (laughs) And then started applying it to, like, everything in the Mario universe. My favorite, uh, Peach versions are still Chain Chomp Peach and Boo Peach. Yeah, I saw the Chain Chomp Peach, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, people are weird. That's what it comes down to. I mean, it's we've thoroughly <laughs> mainstreamed... I, I just realized, I, I'm also just gonna link to the prosed video where he just summarizes it. Oh yeah, it's so good! <laughs> that, that's basically where I took my inspiration from! <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> for, 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 for canting that just now, because that's basically what he does, except he's much more funnier than me. So, yeah. And that, that I English good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it, it's just funny how the degree to which you can now... And, and didn't they... Yeah. So didn't they say they're actually going to put Bowsette in the game now? I don't know what the official name for the character is, but yes, there is going to be a feminized Bowser. What? This you is new to me. Okay, hold on. Let me see if I can find the tweet, because, like, oh, what? God. Because I... I actually said the actual fuck in response to it. Because yeah, because, like... It, it's either that they were already planning this, or that, like, they just quickly had somebody develop an art and made a silhouette for it. So let me find it. Hold on. Oh my god, they made it unavailable! No! Did they actually get rid of it? So no! Maybe, what? It was suspended! Maybe they changed their mind. <laughs> oh no! But it's the official Nintendo of America Twitter account! Why is it suspended? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? That's what I'm getting from Twitter right now! Look, oh. I jack Twitter, Sam, and perfectly fine with misogynists, <laughs> and rapists, and fascists, and outright neo-Nazis on my platform, but I am not putting up with people wanting to fuck Bowser. I will draw the line here in the sand. Anyways, the, the, the tweet was basically Nintendo of America saying, Hey, we heard your call. And then they had a picture of Bowser, an arrow, and then a silhouetted picture of what very clearly looked like a fusion of Peach and Bowser. <laughs> and now the tweet is unavailable. And when I try to click on the link, it goes to account suspended? Oh, I see why. It was a copycat account. Uh, so it wasn't official. That's why. Okay, uh, good. Well done! Uh, well done, clever trickster. You have again bamboozled us. <laughs> but they'd okay. be very stupid to not make it something that could go on any single character and have them turn into a version of Peach. Right. <laughs> Even if it's just like the Smurfy, the, the Kirby principle where like uh, they yeah. just get like a wig. Well, this is, this is, I mean, uh, I... I already made the joke that the version of Wario getting it is that the crown goes on him and has no effect, because Wario <laughs> already is completely sure that he's as sexy as anything possibly can be. Ah! <laughs> Too sexy for my crown. Too sexy for my crown. <laughs> well, as we've seen, I mean, you, you say, oh, well, Nintendo has to include this now, but as we've seen, they barely wanted to include Waluigi, apparently. They That's true. He, he, was, he was a fight, so you've got to assume this kind of nonsense is, uh, is going to be slightly resistant, but, yeah. I mean... I just... Are, so it, not, it's... It, it's just quite clear that they did not realize the the what would eventually just happen as a result of them introducing the concept of Peachette and how that just confused everybody. And, like, of course somebody's going to turn Bowser into a lady, because they've been doing that for years no, already. No, 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 I have to stop! You just a canon reason for it to happen now! I have to, <laughs> I have to stop. That is not of ache, of course. This is not a direct logic A to B. Yeah, that's true. But the thing is, is that people have been draw drawing feminized versions of Bowser for very for a very long time. Sometimes they've been sexy, and sometimes they haven't been. Even if you look at the Bowsette 
drawings, you can see that there's a wide gamut of people interpreting what exactly that would look like. And some people just draw giant tits, and other people draw muscular men. Muscular women, I should say. And both are perfectly fine. But it's just, the main thing... Yeah, exactly. The main thing is here is that they've just given fan artists a canon reason as to how this could potentially happen because of this goddamn crown. And all they did was put it on Toadette. <laughs> Guys, we are missing the elephant in the room, though. Since Which we is? occasionally discuss Mario lore and do into deep delves. Oh, yeah. Is Peach herself simply a normal Toad? who is wearing this crown yes. that turns herself into a more normally proportioned humanoid, and that is her entire claim to royalty over the other toads. I believe, yes, is that Peach is a evolution of the toads. <laughs> well, isn't that like the issue they had with the Mario Odyssey, where he throws his hat on people and they become Mario, and so Mario is a hat? No, he possesses... No. no, no, no. Mario ha- <clears throat> No, Adam, that's ridiculous. Mario <laughs> simply has a friend who is a ghost possessing a hat uh-huh. who, mer- who uses his magic to have Mario possess people he throws his hat on. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> well, really, Adam, you need to logic this properly. God. Mario isn't the hat, Adam. The hat has its own name, and it's Cappy. <laughs> is it really? What's, yes. Yes. Oh, and what's the what's the name of the is is the tiara named tiara? Or is it something else? Tiara E. Cappy's sister. Yeah. Oh no, she's just Tiara. She's just Tiara. Okay. Yes. Yes. Cappy a... has a sister whose name is Tiara. I was I wasn't sure if her name was Tiara, because she is a Tiara, <laughs> or if she's a Tiara with the name I, that's something else. I feel like she's not actually a Tiara. She's actually a crown, which is a different thing. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, they're not like the Harry Potter people. They don't just name people what they are. I mean, Cappy is a long family name, but they're not just going to name, like, a child who's born into a crowd a tiara. Actually, or, or she is a tiara. How, how was Remus's parents supposed to know when they have the last name of Lupin that their son would eventually become cursed <laughs> with the and werewolf they, curse? They named him Remus. <laughs> exactly. I told you we should have named him well-hung rich son. <laughs> Nomenclature is destiny. This is because all your fault, in- Romulus. I should have never listened to you. Because <laughs> at least in Cappy and Tiara's defense, they're ghosts. So... Right. They're they're named after what they are. <laughs> from, an entire, from an entire nation of ghosts who are hats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> called the Bonnetters. Yep. Although shouldn't Cappy be called a top hat? Well Isn't no, he because it's not exactly hat? directly of his name. It, okay. Also they can seemingly turn into any kind of hat they want, so Ah. Okay. Wow. Alright. It's just, it's just, just when I think of cap, I usually tend to think of a newspaper boy cap rather than a top hat, which is the form he normally has. (laughs) But anyway. also don't normally have hair, which he has too, so. Oh, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Mario yeah. Odyssey is fucking weird. That, yeah, that's if you want something weird, if you want something even more head scratching, the race that are entirely just animated ghostly hats. Their main export <laughs> seems to be selling hats to non-hat based people. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Okay. Well, that's fine. That's like building, uh, you know, man. It's a. It's like if you were a mannequin factory, and that was your main export, basically, right? That's the equivalent of that for a hat, right? A uh, non-living thing that looks exactly like you. I. I guess. <laughs> I put way too much thought into this. Clearly, we all have. It's. It's okay. It's late it's at okay. night. We're all going insane with. <laughs> it's with okay. It's okay. Well, in any case, Bowsette fandom shouldn't implode on itself just because everybody's arguing as to what exactly Bowsette should look like, whether or not she should be <laughs> red-haired or yeah. blonde-haired or if she should be buff or if she just should well, not be buff. Yeah, when I heard <laughs> Bowser as a woman, I was like, obviously pictured something, <laughs> a certain thing. And then when I looked at the thing, it's just it's just like goth or metal, you know, yeah, peach, it's, it's, basically. It's, it's, yeah, it's more like if... if Peach suddenly went through a weird punk rock phase. Yeah. <laughs> with her, her spiked. Which is ridiculous. Bands. Everyone knows that Peach is a big fan of Billy Vanilli. <laughs> oh, God. I see it. I get it. No, <sighs> it, give me a second. Just to prove I didn't pull that just out of a hat, ghost. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's Millie right. Vanilli. I forgot that they did do a. That they that they did do a punk peach. Is, <sighs> is this from the what the like eighties cartoon? Yes, the 90s yeah cartoon? the uh, the 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 Super Mario Brothers Super Show in the cartoon <laughs> segment. She was a. <sighs> yes. It's a picture of Peach wearing uh, a Millie Vanilli shirt and we just have... a <gasps> ripped jeans. I'm sorry. There's an even better gift. Oh no! Oh no! That's just the full scene. <laughs> no, you just you just did the pro ZD link again. I shouldn't have. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, oh, it's... <laughs> the, full gift is like, the full gift is like a zoom up from the punk boots like all the way to the top of Peach's head and then cuts to Toad who is seemingly wavering back and forth and then falling down in like in a, awe. in like religious reverence <laughs> <laughs> like actually like kneeling with like hands on the ground yeah he's, he's, he's fully princess. prostrating himself the penitent Toad shall pass I'm sure this version of, of Peach has also been cosplayed like this, this version has of Peach it, must have been cost. Well, I, we may have made a brilliant uh, unearthed a, a hidden gem here. You uh, for would cosplay. be surprised the sort of things that have been cosplayed. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. Because <laughs> there's definitely more than enough people who plan on on cosplaying Bowsette at this point. So, uh, yeah. Oh my God! Uh, is is this real? Yes, this is real. Is this real? Is this real life? Is this just fantasy? <laughs> I just, no, I. The Super Mario Brothers Super Show looked like it was pretty weird. I never watched it, but uh, uh, some pretty. I weird... rented. I rented a VHS once 
from from not Blockbuster, but from another video rental place near us. And so I don't think this episode was was on that. Okay. Yeah. Well, we've got yeah. So the question is: In Mario Odyssey, does he have that as a costume? No, sadly. Ah. <laughs> but he definitely. If only. It. It's a heavy metal Mario. From what we can, t- what I can tell. I don't know if it's heavy metal, but he's definitely he's ZZ. got a dreadlock wig. It's ZZ Top <laughs> Mario. How about yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. He's got the wig and the and the cap. Also, yeah. enjoy uh, apparently Peach dressed up as Vital Pab at one point. <laughs> all right well let's all right this is getting too visually based for a podcast i think uh i know I, I, we clearly should have logged off a while ago i am just so it's, fucking... it's all good sorry friends i have uh, just found a, a, such an amazing right. hole yes it, it, yes well on that note talking about uh ing's amazing hole uh, I think we'll get... Uh, Bowsette's Amazing Hole is now our episode title. Call it. Bowsette's Amazing Hole. Well, I was just going to call it it's the forbidden word, or as some call it the word that is forbidden. Anyway. That, damn, that's also good. <laughs> or possibly the word which is forbidden, which some call the forbidden word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although Wolf Wolf... Even that, man- you just called it... Just call it Wolf uh, Wolf. Wolf Wolf. No, yeah. we'll call this one podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's really meta. Everyone's going to be, what? What? Wait till the end to get the joke. Yes. This will make sense. These titles, well, that's all of our titles. All of our titles are completely incomprehensible until you until you actually listen to them. Well, that's how it should be. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, okay, so I think we've uh, we've <laughs> we've reached the time of night where we're all uh, uh, very silly and collapsing from lack of sleep. So um, I think That's we're going to wrap. It's not normal at all. I so cannot I think, get I, over. There are so many good fucking images for oh, yeah. posting <laughs> just at this one right. hole, I'll, like I'll just tr- from searching this one vision. <laughs> Red from Mario. <laughs> well, remember, remember the the the. It wasn't the Mario Super Show. It was the other one, Captain Ed or whatever, with the Alucard, the uh, Dracula son, yeah. who was like the skateboarding cool kid or whatever. I'll see if I can put these up on the the on the YouTube video, but. We'll have to oh see. my God! Why uh, would anyone make that? Yeah, it's. Well, it's disturbing, but uh, it's toad skeleton. All right, enough. Leaf, please. Mercy. <laughs> Mercy. Mercying. All right, I think we're going to wrap it up for the night. Um, we all, uh, just a reminder, you can uh, see links to everything we've been talking about uh, in the uh, added back matter or uh, stuff below, the either the YouTube or the Patreon video. Uh, both Ing and I, and now Avi, have Patreons. You have a, a Patreon now, right, Avi? Yeah, I should probably, like, update it on a regular basis and hope that I get people to who will throw money at it, but... Yes. You know. That's yeah, That is how it works. <laughs> um, and I will just, for the record, I will be doing something cool all October uh, for Ooh. my uh, Patreon. I will be doing a cryptid a day. I'll be making up a cryptid every day. And posting okay. that on my Patreon. So, Ooh, subscribe for like that. that 
Yes. And I'm also going to plug uh, the other podcast that I am working on with uh, my friend Phil Rice called What Mad Yay! Universe, uh, which Yay! is about pulp and the history of sci-fi and fantasy. Uh, so that's going to be kind of cool. Uh, I'll provide a link to that as well. You guys have anything you want to plug? Ing, I know you're, I don't know, you got some stuff. I, I got perpetrate. the Patreon, but that's pretty much uh, it We've right got... now. Anyway, it's, it's all good. It's very late at night, so <laughs> no, it's not. It's not that late, but I'm. We're all very tired, so uh, I think we'll uh, make that uh, adieu for now. And uh, so farewell from all of us in the destroy all clickbait family. Please tip Ooh. generously, and y'all come back now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>